Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Final Furlong Podcast. Is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday. The ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. And now, get busy listening and get busy winning. Here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. I've had so many questions from Final Fallen Podcast listeners saying, when is your first proper jumps show of the 2022-2023 season? When is the first real National Hunt podcast? Well, I'm delighted to say it's now. It's this episode, and it's with a Final Fallen Podcast favorite, Mr. Harry Derham. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thank you very much for having me. Pleased to be back. And a very exciting time for you, because you've gone out on your own. You have decided to become a trainer in your own right, which is something I kind of always felt that you would do. I never really wanted to just out and out ask you, do you want to be a trainer in your own right? Because I didn't feel that was really the right thing to do. But I'm delighted for you. 
And it's a particularly exciting time because as we record on Tuesday, the 6th of September, it's the night before the horses come into your yard proper. That is absolutely right, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, the horses are coming back in tomorrow. Um, I put a statement out a couple of, uh, what was it, maybe three weeks ago, saying that I'll just be in a um, in a yard in Lambourne at Frenchman's, uh, Frenchman's House Stables just for two months, just while my yard has been finished. Um, and then we'll, we'll aim to have my my first runners from my purpose-built yard uh, about Christmas time is the plan. Oh, for Christmas. Excellent. That's really cool. Um, your own yard is going to be near Newbury in Boxford. Is that right? That's absolutely right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there's just, there's, there's bits and bobs that still need doing there. Um, we, 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 you know, we're very, very happy with the, the, everything that's gone on there so far, but there's just, you know, it, it's one of those things you can't until it's, until it's absolutely ready, I'm, I'm not prepared to have the horses there. So um, Frenchman's House will just act as a bit of a, um, you know, a place that will just act as a temporary yard for me. Um, obviously, really good gallops in Lambourne, so they will. I'll get the horses going there for sort of two months, and then uh, start of November have the horses over here. And, and as I say, then sort of all all roads lead to. Hopefully, I was speaking to BHA licensing the other day, and and you know getting trying to get everything in order and all being well uh i hope to have my first runners around christmas turn of the year so that's that's the that's the target and uh that's what we're working towards really well let's talk about your time with paul you were with him for 11 years you were obviously a jockey until you retired at 19 you spoke very openly about that on the show in the past but you spent six years as as paul's main man as his assistant trainer so the decision to leave that because it's very easy to stay still. It's very easy to stay in place, but the decision and obviously the ambition of yours to walk away from that, was that something that you wrestled with? Was it something that was always in the back of your mind? Um, certainly, I did wrestle with it. Yes. Um, I mean, look, I, I love my time with Paul at a, at a fantastic time and, you know, like you work with real good people, get to know a lot of really good people, work with some very good horses, have some great days. Um, and and I, I love doing that. I got some amazing experience, learnt loads from him. But at the, at the same time, that there comes a point, I think, where you think, right, well, am I going to do this or am I going to want to do it for myself? Um, and, you know, I, I was... Like, I could, I could easily have been there, Emmett, for another five years and been quite happy. However... I was ambitious to 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 train in my own right one day, and an opportunity came about that you know I spoke to Paul about it, and you know we I agreed, family agreed, and that we we thought it was for me too good an opportunity to miss. Um, and I, I sort of feel like in life you've you know been lucky enough to have a lot of good chances in life, but I think you only get one, or you know you don't, you don't get loads of amazing chances to do something like this um uh, and i wanted to i wanted to take it and um you know it's it wasn't an easy decision because you're walking away from a secure job with lots of you know very good people around you you're very well looked after um you have a good time you're part of a successful place um so walking away from that is not easy but at the same time if you have an amount of ambition that you want to go on and try and do it for yourself then, then at some stage you have to make that step. 
And it's not going to be easy to just walk away from that. But at the same time, if you're going to forge your own career, this is this is the time, uh, particularly if the opportunity has come along. What What is that opportunity, Harry? Yeah, so um, basically it's a lady called Caroline Sutton who who is a is a big landowner in, in Berkshire and Lincolnshire. Um, and she's got a you know fairly decent size um, uh, estate in Berkshire, and I, I'm I'm essentially le- leasing a leasing a farm off her, um, and we're making it into a, a purpose built training yard. So it's I've got I've got some people behind me that are investing in me, um, and and my business. I'm obviously investing heavily as well, and it it will be completely my business. I'm not a salaried trainer. I'm not a you know I'm not a trainer just for Caroline, although she's been kind enough to to send me some horses already. Um, but you know, it, it will be completely my business and I, I will be, I will be leasing the, the, the farm and the, you know, what will be a, a state of the art training yard, um, off her. And, um, and you know, that was the opportunity. The, the reality of it is Emma is that a, a yard of this nature would obviously be millions and millions of pounds. And that is not something I have. Um, you know, I, I saved up a good amount of money that I've invested into this yard to help build it and um you know help, help get things off the ground but renting a yard for me or leasing a yard for me was always going to be the you know the only realistic option so um caroline and her partner woody have been amazing support um i've had some really really good people helping me out and uh you know i, I basically I, I gave Paul a year's notice and I said to Paul, you know, what, what, what would you do if you and me? And I explained the situation to him, told him about the place. And, you know, he said, if I was you, you'd, you'd have to do it. And, you know, if that's what you want to do. And, um, look, I, I didn't take the decision lightly because it, I was walking away from an amazing job. Uh, but I, I believe in what I'm doing. Um, I, I'm very aware that it's going to be extremely difficult, but I'm, I, I believe in the yard that we're building. Um, we've got a real good team of people around me. So, um, yes, I'm nervous about it, but I'm 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 way more excited than I am anything else. Well, I'm glad you're nervous because it's only natural to be. And to be honest, if you weren't nervous, I'd be a little bit worried. Uh, I think that any any time that you're going to step out of your comfort zone, it can be good for the mind. It can be good for the body. Uh, but of course, it's going to be a little bit nerve-wracking, uh, particularly on the back of, of a pandemic. But if you don't try it, you're never going to know. And there would always be that lingering doubt in the back of your mind. What would have happened if I had if I had done this? What would have happened if I had taken that leap? And it's clearly something that you've wanted to do for a long time, and the opportunity has presented itself. And as you said, these opportunities don't come along very often. So there's nobody better built than you to be able to go and and take on such a task. And I have no doubt in my mind that it's going to be anything but a huge success for you. And in the past, I mean, there's obviously going to be comparisons made in that Harry Fry and Dan Skelton went out on their own to huge success. Um, And you have learned from a 13-time champion trainer. I mean, you've you've learned from an absolute master. Um, When you look back on your time with Paul... And it's great to hear that he was so supportive of the decision for you to, to step out. Um, what are the highlights for you from your time at Ditchit? Crikey, you could talk about you could do a podcast talking about these alone. Um, there's there's a lot. I mean, I, you know, we, we've talked about it in the podcast, and we, you know, there's a lot. But I mean, I mean it'd have to be Danny Kerwin. <laughs> 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. 
<laughs> yes! Go on, Daddy! Um, no, um, I thought I had to drop him in at some stage. Um, uh, the highlight of my time at Pools altogether was dodging bullets winning the champion chase. Um, oh, he, look, he wasn't the best champion chase winner ever. I'm very aware of that. I've been told it multiple times by a lot of people. But he, he came at a period of time in my life when I'd given up riding and I wasn't sure whether I was going to stay in racing or not. And I didn't quite know what I was going to do with myself. And he just, he just popped along at a real important time in my life. Um, and he won three grade ones that season. And I was fortunate enough to ride him at home and, you know, be, be a bit involved with his sort of regime and, you know, watch how Paul and Clifford trained him. And, you know, I was lucky enough to ride him. And, and I, I think him winning that champion chase was a really special moment because I felt like, you know, obviously there is pressure with those good horses because they are they are so talented, and you you then you obviously have to succeed with those horses. But for me, Dodging Bullets was a horse that that he he won a champion chase because of Paul's training. Do you know what I mean? He mm. he he won a champion chase because Paul trained him very well, and I I felt part of I felt part of what he was he was about. And um, on that day, he was he was really really good. Now. For me, what made me most proud about him was he actually, he never won again. And I think that probably tells you what a genuine horse he was. Like, he gave everything that day. And he was never actually as good after. And um, just makes me proud of the horse that he did that. And uh, that was just a really important part of my career. Um, so, like, as I say, you could make a podcast talk about my highlights from, from Ditch It because, there, you know, there were so many great days. But Dodge, he, he comes out on top. It is extraordinary to think that he didn't win again afterwards, but that doesn't take anything away from his success that day. I think well, I, I think it just shows. I think it just shows what he gave that day. Like he, he, he. In my opinion, if he'd retired a multiple Grade Two winning horse, people would have said you got the best out of that horse. Um, but the the fact that he retired a three time Grade One winner, I mean, that to me. I was just speaking to Ruby Walsh. I had the fortune of speaking to him maybe a year ago about. Paul's training and he said nobody gives him credit for it he said but one of the best training performances he's ever had Paul was training dodging bullets to win a champion chase and I think for him to say that would carry more weight than for me to say it, if that makes sense yeah because funny I was actually thinking of Ruby because it was in my head champagne fever came out that day from he from did memory. yeah yeah, yeah. And I believe that was a very controversial thing I think the horse had a scar he got a bump on his head on his head or something yeah it was odd I don't quite know what happened, but I, yeah, but just, I remember Ruby rode him as a juvenile a couple of times and then as a novice and, you know, I just, it just stuck in my head for him, for, for all the success that Ruby had with Paul, for him to say that that was the, one of his best training performances, I thought that, that, that said a lot really. Yeah. The reason it was playing in my mind is I vividly remember watching Channel 4 Racing and Ruby being interviewed, and Ruby being like an absolute bull. He had a face like Dot Cotton licking piss off a nettle because it's the champion chase, and he's missing out. I think because they were told, listen, we don't want a horse with a with a scar running in the race. Like he would have had a bandage on or something that wouldn't have been very aesthetically pleasing. But champion fever it was, was something fine. odd like that. Yeah. It was really odd. It was really it was more optics than anything else. Like Willie Mullins is not going to run a horse unless he's fine. And Ruby was asked, oh, is, is um, you know, now that you're out, is, is Sprinter Sacra going to take all the beating? And he just looked down the barrel of the lens and was like, dodging bullets wins. 
And it was almost yeah. as though he no, was like yeah, bitter yeah. about the fact that he wasn't going to be on board. Uh, obviously, you know, he was he was very much attached to Ruby at that or to Willie at that time, attached to himself, uh, attached to Willie at that time. But yeah, I mean, that was that was a special day. And I'm also thinking of the fact that I probably would have been your age now when Cotto Star won, became the first horse ever to regain his Gold Cup crown. Um, which means you would have been <laughs> significantly younger, uh, but you would have been around. Yeah, so I, I was. I was still in school when Corto won his second Gold Cup. <laughs> oh, obviously, so when he won his first. But, but you know that. But that's why. Like, obviously, Corto winning Gold Cups was unbelievable. But like, I didn't feel like I was lucky to watch it, like anyone else. But I wasn't. I, I didn't feel part of it because I wasn't at the yard. You know, I was in school. So, it, like, I, you know, people always say, oh, "How could it not be Corto?" And of course. Corto winning gold cups was epic, but at the same time, like I, I was, you know, I was in history class when he was being on the gallop, so I couldn't, you know, there was there was no, there was no part of me helping Corto win gold cups. Um, so, you know, and I'm not saying I was a, a massive help to dodging bullets, but just being being there in the yard and things is what made it special for me, you know. But that's almost part of it too. Is that you could be the best assistant trainer in the world. I know how hard you work. You know how hard you work. Paul knows how hard you work. But any success that the yard have is going to be attributed to Paul. Whereas when you step out of that limelight and you step out on your own and you start having success as a trainer yourself, that success can only be attributed to you. Now, everything falls on you now. But it's it's really the only way that I was just going to say, so does the stress. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. Nobody... No Final Furlong podcast listeners were like, what the hell is Paul Nichols doing with Danny Kerwin? Yet you got all the stick when he wasn't performing. Um, yeah, it was a funny old time that was. But, so I uh, wish I'd never spoken again. <laughs> I'm so happy that you did. That was absolute gold. Uh, and a gold start to the show as well. Um, any truth in the rumours that Danny Kerwin is being moved with you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the less said about dear old Danny, the, the better. <laughs> But that the success that you have now is going to be yours. It's going to be your success going forward. Is that a part of that decision to become a trainer? Well, I think it's that desire to, to you, you know, you. <laughs> as I said to Paul, and I was, I'll, I'll be honest. I think you swore earlier, so I can swear. I assume. Um, I was on the on the on my leaving do. I was really pissed, and I saw him sat down. Just for a minute, I thought I'll just go and collar him and just talk a load of sense to him for five minutes because I'm well hydrated now. So I'll just go and impart a bit of Harry Darren wisdom on the boss. And <laughs> I just sort of said to him that you do realise, Paul, the only reason that I'm going to do this is because I'm being inspired by you to go and do it. Do you know what I mean? Like it's it's not because I don't like working there or anything. Like you see someone have that success and you see the work that goes into it and the joy it gives a lot of people and. You you want a bit of that for yourself, don't you? It, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's it, it's like anything. You you want to try and if you're ambitious in any business, you're going to want to try and take a step to the next level, and that's that's what it was for me. It's not because I'm, you know, I, I, first and foremost, I absolutely love being around horses. I love working with them. I'm fascinated by them. I want I want to you know I, I'm very very happy working with them and, and doing all that stuff, but. I want to. I want to enjoy those highs and those lows and those challenges for myself, and 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 build a team for myself. Yeah, you know, everyone knows that 
Team Ditch it is an enormous part of Paul's success. Um, and I want to I want to have a group of people that work for me and feel that way about working for me. And um, you know it, that's not going to happen overnight. I'm very aware of that, but I I hope that over time I can enjoy all those those ups and downs um, in my own right. Really, how many horses will be coming in on Wednesday? Uh, so there's 16 coming in on Wednesday. Two weeks later, there's another four. Um, and then that yard is then full. And then there, there's a, I've got another sort of five or six that will be waiting until I go to, I go to my, um, eventual, my, 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 my yard, because obviously if there's 20 boxes in this pre-training yard, I can't have 21 horses. So, um, 16 tomorrow, and then it will be full of 20 in a couple of weeks time. And then there's a good few more to come in once I'm at my, at my yard. So in and around 26 horses is what you're looking at when you actually move into your own purpose-built yard. Yeah, that's it. That's it. That is fantastic, particularly when you're starting out. And what kind of horses have you been looking for? Like as a trainer, is there a mindset that you have in mind in terms of Irish point-to-pointers, British point-to-pointers, ex-flash horses? Are there types of horses that you are keen to acquire? Uh, fast ones, ideally. <laughs> Fast and good jumpers. Yeah, 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 really fast, good jumpers. Now, um, to be honest, I mean, I've, it depends. I mean, I've, you'll be surprised where I've got a list of them in front of me, um, and I've bought I've bought horses from all different places. I've bought horses from sales. I've bought a horse out of a French claimer. Um, I've bought horses privately. I've bought horses from the Derby sale, and that that is because. I am finding that um, certain owners want certain things. So, you know, I, I've bought a, a lovely uh, Irish point-to-pointing mare in, in the winter with uh, the guy who's going to be my bloodstock agent, Ed Bailey. Um, we've bought a couple out of Doncaster in the spring. Bought lot, lots of different places, really, um, t- to try and essentially build a team of horses that there's not just 20 of one type if that makes sense. You know, I don't want to start off with 23-year-old stores. I didn't want to start off with 20 10-year-old handicappers. I've, I've, tried to, I've tried to get a mix of, you know, I've got some novice hurdlers for this season. I've got a couple of bumper horses. I've got some, some handicap chasers. Um, so I've got, a sort of, I've got a sort of mix of horses that hopefully will give me a chance to get racing. So obviously, you know, it's lovely to, you know, I've got a couple of really lovely young horses um, that hopefully might run in bumpers in the spring. But at the same time, I've got some horses that when I when I start, you know, get my license at Christmas, that I'll be able to, you know, get on and run because obviously when you start out, you need you need you need some runners because you need to go and learn. Right, okay, well, you know, he was a little bit short to work, and perhaps we gave her a gallop too many or. Okay, he doesn't. You know, I, I want to get out there, and I want to get learning and, and get experience, and um, and have runners. So I've got a I've got a real nice mix of horses, and um, you know, it, I think that the the biggest challenge is probably the youngsters because you want to try and produce them to be hopefully good horses for you for you know four, five, six seasons if you're if you're lucky. But um, you know, there's also some horses in there that have had some nice form for for other people that hopefully I can, you know, I, I can get them to perform to a good level for me as well. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. And at Paul's, like you would be very experienced with a wide variety of horses. And whether this is liked or not, it is a fact. Some trainers do get pigeonholed as specialists with a certain type of horse. Rightly or wrongly, that perception comes along. We're still in the middle of the flat season. There are certain trainers who are perceived as brilliant sprinting trainers. Um, and maybe that just works out with the type of horse that they're sent. Uh, some trainers are perceived to be really good with two-year-olds, but maybe not so good with them in their in their classic year. Uh, and the same applies to jumps trainers. Some are, are t- terrific with actual jumpers. Some are specialists when it comes to hurdlers. I love the fact that you're going for a wide variety because you're so experienced with a vast array of horses and the vast array of talent that Paul would have had from the very, very top to the very low to the middle, that that's the way to approach it from your own perspective. Don't just go out there and look for uh, bumper types, early, spring bumper types, but look for handicappers that are going to be able to get you off to uh, to a start straight away. Um, bumper horses that perhaps, hopefully, will be going up and down the lines on Harry Durham's debut runner uh, and landing. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing, Harry. You know, trainer has their first ever runner. It's a winner. That's how it goes. That's that's the way it is. It's just one of those things in the world of racing. Um, don't add pressure, Emmett. No, no pressure, Harry. But if you don't train a winner with your first runner, we'll be coming for you. But yeah. I, I do like the fact that you're you're mixing it up. That you're you're not just going for one specific type of horse. That you're going for a, a total array of them. Yeah, I think it. You know, I, I, first and foremost, I've been incredibly lucky because I, I've not had a runner. I'm still a good few months off having a runner, but already I've had some really really good support from from very good people and and owners that are, that are saying to me they you know they like what i'm doing and and they and they want to get behind it they don't they don't know whether i can train or not yet nor nor do i i've i've i hope that i've got a, a good understanding of of um you know how to get a horse fit and hopefully get him healthy but you know the, there's loads of challenges to come but the what i'm i'm really lucky about so far is that a lot of real good people have said to me, "Look, we'll we'll have a punt with you, and we'll have a go." Um, and and you know, you might have the best ideas in the world, but unless you're unless a few people are willing to give you a chance, you, you've got no hope, really. So I'm I'm just massively in debt to those people that have said to me, "Look, you know, we'll 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 have a horse for you, and we'll we'll give you a chance." And um, I hope with the the sort of mix of horses that I've got that I'll be able to you know I'll be able to give them um bit of repayment really. And just with the current climate that we're in, like was that something that gave you pause for thought? Because you're making this decision on the back of a pandemic where none of us really thought that was going to happen in the way that it did. Um, and fair play, the UK got back up and running much quicker than Ireland, but you know still it would be very easy to just go, I'll, I'll stay where I am, thanks very much. Did, did you have to think that little bit harder about going for it or, or was the carrot just 
was it too much of of a carrot dangled in front of you that you just were like, no, I've got to do this now. Now is the right time. Uh, it certainly wasn't a. It certainly wasn't a sort of um, quick decision. I mean, I, I I considered it, thought about it um, for a long time. Um, I suppose that in terms of the pandemic and things, and I, I guess the, the 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 bigger consideration is the the cost of living and you know things like that. The the man that might get involved in a ten man syndicate might consider things now because he's tightening his belt for certain bits and bobs. However, I felt of course setting up any business, I think, in any climate is a risk. I think that's first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, however, my risk, I believe and I hope, is considered because I've got some good support. Um, you know, I, I, I had the promise of people to supporting it before I pulled the trigger, as it were. So it wasn't a it wasn't a stab in the dark. It wasn't a sort of jumping into the unknown. Of course, there's lots and lots of variables. There's lots of challenges ahead, but it wasn't. I felt it was a calculated risk, not a reckless one. So, so that was sort of where I was at. And there is no easy time to start a business. I'm sure. Um, you know, you you read in the papers and things that there, sadly, some trainers are, uh, are are giving up. And and obviously, you read those articles, and that does temper your enthusiasm slightly, of course. But you now I've made the decision and now I'm committed. Um, I don't think there is a great deal of hope for me thinking, Oh God, I think now is the time to really not, not be reckless, not be, not be gung ho, but be really positive, be really committed to what I'm doing. Um, say I've got some really good people behind me and, and, and just be really committed and determined to make, to make it happen. Really. You're still a young man. You're 27, but you've got so much experience, like experience way beyond your years. And just to switch it back to the flat, if I dare for a second, like Ed Walker has trained his second group one winner of the season. He's hasn't turned 40 yet. And I know yeah. that because I read, I read the article that he wrote in the weekender where he was talking about, I I'm about to turn 40 and I need to think, is this industry going to look after my family for the next 25 years? And I think cool. his line was, I'm not so sure. But he's having great success at such a young age. There are plenty of other trainers who are having successes at such a young age. Um, and all the experience that you've had, like you've been a jockey, you've grown up in the industry, you've been working for Paul and then been outright assistant trainer for six years. You can't buy that level of experience. You could not go to a college and get that level of experience, get that level of education that can only be got with hard work and, and grit and determination. And I was, funnily enough, I was talking to a broadcasting friend of mine who was a little bit in awe of the fact that you're doing what you're doing um, because of your age. Because I think she had said, is is Harry 33? <laughs> Sorry, Harry. And I was like, no, I'm pretty sure Harry's 27. I look at it. Oh, Christ. Well, Wait till you're being yeah. interviewed by her on, on racing TV. Yeah. That's going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, it's... I was saying, no, no, he's 27. What? Uh, as the mindset that you're you're becoming a trainer. But she was just saying, like, how much it makes sense because you're going to have that, that bravery and um, that real get-up-and-go attitude. Not that someone in their 30s or 40s like me now uh, do, no longer has that attitude, but that the gumption is there and, and the determination is there. Um, 
But the fact that your entire life has been centered around the racing industry, from being a jockey to working for Paul to being his outright assistant trainer, like you can't, you cannot buy that level of experience that you already have. Well, I was, I was speaking to a real good friend of mine who, who the final furlong podcast listeners will know of, um, David Maxwell, who, hey. who is a, who aside from being uh, outside of racing is a is a phenomenally successful. Um, is a phenomenally successful businessman. Um, and I was talking to him about, you know, setting up a business and, and, and risk-taking and, and all of those things. And, and he said that, you know, all the experience you, you have had is, is fantastic and, and you're very lucky to have had it. And it, <laughs> unless you get around with earplugs in your ears and a blindfold on a ditch, you can't help but learn a lot. Um, but that, that all only counts for so much because now you have to go and do it yourself. And, and he was, he was just talking about, he feels that it is, yes, it is a risk to start up on your own. And yes, you are, you are taking a big risk, but there's also a risk of staying where you are in life. Um, and that is, you know, are you going to become a bit complacent and, and lose some of that ambition? Now I'm very sure that wouldn't have happened whilst I was in ditch it because, my boss, I don't think, would have let me do that. But what I think I'm saying is, I think you have to keep pushing yourself and keep keep wanting to go that step further. And perhaps because I'm in my twenties, I have maybe a little bit of maybe maybe I'm slightly naive in in thinking that you know um, to to get going now and and get started. But I think you, I think to set up in the business that I'm going into, I think you do have to have a little bit of bit of bravery and just think right come on this is you know this is really gonna you've got to be positive and think this is really going to happen because i think if you were if you sat down and thought about it too much you'd you'd actually like ed walker said you might end up frightening yourself um but there's there's loads and loads of good parts about this industry and you know i'm very optimistic about my future in it um uh, and i i hope that with lots of hard work that I will end up making a, a long successful career out of it. It's, it's one of those things that I'm, I'm lucky enough to start with lots of horses and, and, you know, be well supported already. But I don't, I don't want to be a, a guy who starts off as a, as a great first season and then, and then dwindles. I, I want to try and get to a place where I have, you know, sustain, a sustainable business where, you know, I employ good people and I, I can, I can make a good living and, and I can train for some really nice people and, and have some good success. I don't want to be a sort of flash in the pan. And I hope, I hope that I'm going to build a, a, a business that I can um, continue to build over a number of years, really. Is David going to be sending you some horses? I don't know. Do you know, I'll be totally honest with you, Emmett. I've not discussed that with him once. Um, he, I speak to him as a, as a friend regularly. Um, and more so as David, can I have some advice, please? Um, but you know, he, he was just, we were just talking about it. And the only reason I brought that up is because you were talking about having that sort of being at that age of, no, actually I'm going to do this. Um, because I do think it's, you know, I think some people would probably still say maybe I'm a, I'm a fraction young, but, um, I, I've, I've, yes, I have had some good experience, but now I've got to, now I've got to go and do it myself. So, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm very excited about it. I, I, I'm very aware of the challenges that are to come, but um, 
I'm I'm not daunted daunted by them. I'm I'm really looking forward to them. And you sound very enthusiastic about it as well, which is is great. I mean, you need to be enthusiastic about anything new that you're doing. But the fact that it is a very exciting time for you, like tomorrow the horses come in, you're you're going to be in a temporary yard and your own yard is being built. I presume your yard is being built to your specs as well. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah, it's completely sort of my design really and um yeah, I mean when when finished, when complete, it's going to be a it's going to be a, a really a facility to be incredibly proud of. It's a it's a it's a beautiful site. Um I mean the key thing to all of these these yards is the environment for the horses obviously because if you've got stressed horses or unhappy horses or unhealthy horses, then you you, you cook before you start. But I think I believe that the the environment I'm I'm trying to create for the horses will be um, will be absolutely first class, and and I think when the yard is finished, that it will it will be something to be really really proud of, and um, I'm very very excited about training there. John Dan spoke to us very eloquently about his own yard. I mean, there's a man who was on the brink of leaving the sport and did a massive about turn. Um, and he was talking about the the setup that he has with Jess and just how exciting that is. What is your yard going to be like? What what are the facilities going to be like there? So there's going to be, um, when finished, it'll, there'll, there'll be 45 boxes um, to start with. There's space if and when we're you know if we're lucky enough to be well supported and get bigger then there's there's space to get bigger um a 10 horse walker um there's a there's going to be a purpose-built uh vets box um you know obviously all the you know lads room and all of those types of things and then there's gonna be a, a warm-up area for all the horses um two schooling areas a deep sand loop gallop uh a hill gallop an all-weather hill gallop and a, and, a, and a grass gallop as well. So it's you know it's when, when it's all done, it's going to be a really a really fantastic facility. And um, you know I I can't wait to I can't wait for people to for people to see it really. So it's going to be a first-class facility then. Yeah, you, you know it, I, I've I've been incredibly lucky. It's it's um it really is going to be a a superb place. I mean you know everything everything. Where where we've been lucky is that the the design it, it, there's nothing that is saying we can't do that or we can't you know there's not a barn plonked in the middle of a field and that's well we're going to have to build it around that it is purpose built for the hopefully for completely for the horses and and the people that I've got working for me to work very well together I I everything I do at the site in terms of design is absolutely about how are we going to enable the horses to be relaxed, healthy, um, and, and hopefully achieve their best because, you know, where I've been for the last 11 years, there are very few horses that walk out of ditch that haven't achieved the absolute maximum of their potential. Um, and so all the time designing, it's been, how are we going to get the best out of the, the horses that we are sent. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And you've talked a couple of times there now about it's how important it is for horses to be relaxed uh, and to be able to, to feel at home. And obviously, having worked with horses your entire life, and particularly at Ditchit, you will have seen that firsthand. That does seem to be massively important in terms of their day-to-day training. Um, just talk to me about that, the mentality of, of racehorses, because each horse is an individual, and each horse will cope with things in different ways. It was interesting hearing Aiden talk about uh, Batash's brother, the Antarctic, because at the start of the yeah. season, when I was asking him about him, he was saying, "Little, you know, we're aware of what a psycho Batash was, um, and and just how important it is to try and keep a lid on him." Uh, but also listening to him yesterday, just how he's been steadily coming along the whole time and and improving. Um, but there are plenty of other horses in the yard who are just cool as ice as it is. But that will be down a lot to the facilities that Aiden has and how peaceful Ballydoyle is. So. From your own perspective in building that yard, using that phrase relax now a few times in the show today, what does that entail and, and what does it entail for a horse's mentality and how important that is in nurturing their talent? So so I can only speak from my perspective and, and from my, my opinion is that, you know, I, I predominantly am going to be a national trainer or I have an ambition to train some flat horses. But from my perspective, what makes a, a national hunt horse? What makes a national hunt horse great is longevity. Um, I look at all of Paul's very good horses. The reason Paul and, and those horses are talked about the way they are is because they weren't good for you know a couple of runs. That all those top horses came back and came back and came back. Um, you know, you've only got to look at Clandazoba this year winning the Betway Bowl after you know, looking down and out at Newbury and things. Now, in my opinion, a horse cannot have longevity if he's unhappy or he's stressed every day of his life. So I look at the horses in Ditch It and they are very well looked after by very competent uh, people. They're well fed. They're always, they're always warm in the winter. They're always respected um, they're never they're never asked to do things that are that are out, you know that aren't fair, um, 
And, and my view is a, a horse responds to that. So if you treat him right and he's in a safe environment that he feels relaxed in, that he doesn't feel threatened in, um, he'll eat more, he'll he'll be much better rested. So it, for me, it's all about creating an environment that a horse can achieve his best for a long period of time. It's great to have a horse run well for a couple of runs, but you, particularly with national horses, you want them to try and keep progressing when they're eight or nine so i think in order for them to do that they need to they need to be in an environment where they're going to thrive and and you know you think of i I think of myself as a human i feel way way better in myself when i'm um at home comfortable well rested well fed I, i perform way better than when i'm unsettled in an unsettling environment stressed um so I, I and I think that's the same. I, I believe that horses. Any visitor we had in Ditcher, it was always God. The horses are so relaxed. God, what what a great environment it is for the horses, and that that's what I'm trying to recreate here. And that's a great comparison to make because if it works for us, there's no reason to think it's not going to work for them. Um, there's we have more in common than than we don't. I think with horses in terms of their mentality slightly different in terms of their physical makeup. Um, the the switch for you, like you have been in a management role for the last six years. Like as an assistant trainer, you have had to manage people. Now you're going to be the man. So how many people are going to be working for you? And how are you relishing that task of delegating out different roles, having an assistant trainer of your own um, and, and having people who are looking to you as their leader? So I'll, I'll talk you through them. Um, so uh, first is my my, um, my head lad is a guy called Graham Baines who um, has been in, been in racing for a long time. Um, he's he's vastly experienced as a, in it, working as a head lad. Um, very, very capable man. Um, you know, the the lovely thing I think with Graham is that he's he's got a huge amount of experience. So I think perhaps where I might be lacking in a few bits, I think he's going to make up for that really nicely. And I hope we complement each other really really nicely. So um, he he's going to be my head lad. Um, a, a good friend of mine who who's the only you know it was agreed with Paul at the time who who's come the only person that's come from Pauls to to work for me is a guy called Joe Rowe who. Um, was at Paul's for a good few years with me and we, we were good friends and ever since I started out he asked to, to come and work for me so so he's coming with me as well um, got a very good guy called Ryan Holly um, who is who was he was working as assistant trainer to David Ellsworth while he was training um, he's coming as a full time member of staff very very capable guy um, and I've got a couple more people starting in October I've got one starting in October and another one in November. Um, and my sister is going to be, uh, running the office. So I've got a small team at the moment, but a team that I'm absolutely delighted with, um, because they're really good people. And crucially they are invested in, in what I'm trying to do because it's not for everyone starting a new thing like this. Like, you know, a lot of people would think, crikey, I'm not sure whether the paycheck is going to come or whether, you know, is it going to work? Are the horses going to be there? Is he going to be supported? So, like, I really do massively appreciate the people that have come with me because you, you, 
it, it's a it, it's a big deal for me that they're that they're putting their faith in me. Um, and the answer to your other question in terms of being the boss, it's something that's on my mind a bit at the moment because there is no doubt that is going to be an adjustment because obviously for me when I was at Bulls it always felt like I was a bit of a go between between a great team of staff and the boss and you know if there was messages that needed communicating from Paul then obviously I was the man to do that but it is undoubtedly going to be different when I when I'm doing it for myself and Paul said you know the biggest challenge you'll have is is the staff and the management of that so um but it's something I'm excited about I think that um because I'm because I'm a younger guy I think that that adds a different dynamic to it um and I and so far I've just been really honest with everyone and said look I'm not going to get this right all the time I'm there's going to be loads of mistakes along the way but it's never going to be for lack of trying um I want to you know and I want to I want people to come along with me I, I don't want people to think that I'm working for him to be successful I want people to think I'm working for us to all be successful and and that that might sound a bit cringeworthy but it, it is true that I hope that I'm going to create a culture where people feel responsible for it as well as me. Yes, it's going to be my name on the license. Yes, it's going to the the buck is going to stop with me. And you know, if it if things go wrong, then I'll, I'll front up and it'll it'll be my error. But I I want people to to share the success that I hope we have, and I I, I hope that what happens is is people think I want to, I want to be part of this and I want to help this grow and I want to help it develop. And, um, you know, Graham and, and Joe and Ryan and Amy, they are all invested in it and they're all, they're all really wanting to be part of it. So if I can, if I can keep employing people like that, then I I hope I'm going to be just fine. I think it says an awful lot about your ability, your personality and your leadership that Joe was working with you at Paul's. And when you said you were going to strike out on your own, that he went, take me with you. I'd like to go, I'd like to be part of that. I'd like to be part, part of that journey. That says an awful lot about you. And it says an awful lot about the success that you're going to have. Well, I think it was mainly Emmett because he's obsessed by cricket. And so am I. And he knew that if I, <laughs> if I left it, he'd have, he'd have no one else to talk about cricket. Um, but no, seriously, no, all, all joking aside that, no, things like that mean a lot because if you have a job with the champion trainer, you're guaranteed to be paid well, you're guaranteed to be well looked after and you're, you know, you're, you're never going to be there at seven o'clock in the evening because things haven't been done. Do you know what I mean? It's always working for Paul. You, you are incredibly well looked after and you know, you're well paid and all of those things. So working for me, there's all of a sudden a lot more risks. There's a lot more unknowns. There's a lot more, uh, yeah, we're not sure about that yet. We're working on that, and we're you know we're not quite sure where you're going to live yet, and and all of those things. So for for people like Joe to say, yeah, I, I'm I want to be part of this. I want to be involved. Is is enormous because you can't. You might have it's like the you know I talked earlier about the amazing support of of some wonderful owners already. There's no good me arriving tomorrow with sixteen horses in a yard and me trying to do it all myself. You know that that just that just doesn't happen. Um, so unless you've got people that are going to say, "Yeah, we like this. We 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 can get behind this. We want to we want to do this as much for themselves as they do for me," then 
you know that if you've got people like that, then then you, I think you've got a good chance. You mentioned the fact that in front of you is that document with the names of the horses who are joining you. Can we talk about them? Yes. I'd love to talk about them. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Number one on your list. Um, you can choose this now in whichever way you want, but I'm going to... Uh, no, actually, I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to overrule that. Horse you're most excited about. Oof. No pressure, son. Um, there's a few. There's actually a few. I'm, I'm really excited about a few. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say a horse called Helen Claremont, um, and I'll, I'll give you a bit of backstory and and explain to you why I'm most excited about her. Because if if people look up her Irish point to pointing form, they will see an F and a three. So ordinarily, people will go, "Well, that's not that exciting." Um, but Ed Bailey, who who is my bloodstock agent, he was talking about this mare who was with the Doyles in Ireland uh, before she ran in her first race. She's very she's very nicely related. Um, and she... Now, it's easy to say when they're five or six from home, she looked like she was in control of a point-to-point in her first race when she gave herself a nasty, nasty fall. Um, but Barry O'Neill was riding her and she, she looked like she was going very nicely. Ed, up until this race, had been raving about this mare. And I said, well, Ed, with the, with the greatest respect in the world, if she goes and wins an Irish point-to-point, the budget for buying her is not going to be there because, of course, they make a lot of money. So, unfortunately, Helen tipped up on debut. Um, two weeks later, she ran again on, on really deep ground and, and, and ran nicely for a really long way. But I would suggest a full two weeks before and you know deep ground, four-year-old mare, um, she just got tired basically um, she came over in December looking like she just had two runs um, a big raw raw mare who, who looked like she wanted time she has since had a lot of time and has absolutely blossomed into a really really beautiful powerful mare um, and I'm just really excited about it every time I, every time I look at her I think you know she's turned into a, a gorgeous horse and Again, harping back to where I've been, I you know the ambition is to try and buy horses that would look good in Ditchit because most of Ditchit horses are beautiful, beautiful horses, um, and she fits that bill. She's she's a big, strong mare, um, and I, I think you know I think physically she will have improved a lot. So I, I hope that she she's going to be a really nice mare. But you know I, I could have said a few others, and I I hope I'll get the chance to talk about some more as well. Oh, of course. I'm not going to cut you off there. We're getting the gravy here, son. Uh, just in terms of the, <laughs> the spelling so that we actually can, can get the info. Is that all one word, Helen Claremont? No, so Helen with two N's. Don't ask me why. What? And then space, Claremont. So C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T. Okay, perfect. Because I was this was not popping up for me, and now I know why. Uh, right. Yeah, two N's. Not quite sure why, but make that what you were. And I've got her now. Uh, now have her. There she is. Still uh, listed as Mr. Doyle, but of course your your license is to come through. Um, okay. Talk to us about the, the next horse on your list. Uh, so the next one I'm going to say is a horse called Salvatore, who um, Peter Shergan trained. Um, we bought him out of a claimer in Clairefontaine in France. He is uh, two from four on the flat. He won on debut. He then ran in... Uh, 
a conditioned race and then a listed race, finishing fourth on two occasions. And then he won. Um, he you know, basically just bucked out, made the running and, and stayed galloping really nicely. He's a three-year-old. Sadly for Salvatore, we've just had his um, manhood out. So he's now a, he's now a gelding, which, which he's probably going to take some time to forgive us for. But um, he's a he's a lovely horse. He, he you know to to be lucky enough to have people that were going to go and buy a a, a three year old like that early on in my career was 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 pretty mega. Um, and he he's a he's a really really nice nice horse who who's had some time since he's come over from France already done done quite nicely for that time. Um, and we're going to start training him in a couple of weeks time. So. You know, he he was a he was a smart flat horse. He obviously has to go and take to hurdling, and we've got to teach him to jump and all of those things. But um, I am I, I'm I'm excited about him because you know to to buy a, a horse of that type of quality is is a is a really big thing for a, for a rookie trainer. So um, he's an exciting horse, and he's one of those horses who could, in theory, be a dual purpose horse if he wanted. For sure, for sure, yeah. And he's he's owned by a great group of guys, um, headed up by a, a friend of mine called Adrian Brown, who's been a massive help in the business. And I think whether he goes to Weatherby, Wincanton, Cheltenham, Kempton, those guys are going to have an absolute riot. Um, and 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 I'm really looking forward to training for them. And I, I hope Salvatore, you know, d- does them proud. Salvatore, uh, a name to remember. All right, third on your list. Um, it's getting more and more difficult to go along because I know I feel like I've got some some really nice horses. So um, I'm going to talk about next uh, a horse called um, I am going to talk about next game winner who finished fourth in a, a Hereford bumper for Paul actually um, in in the winter. Um, Lorcan Lorcan liked him when he rode him. He ran well and he was for sale when he ran and I was fortunate enough to have a client for him. Um he's a he's a horse out of, uh, by Diamond Boy who um yeah, he ran really nicely in, in his bumper, you know, Hereford. Maybe on reflection he was a bit too much of a galloping horse and just a couple of speedier types beat him on the day, but he's a he's a he's a really good jumper. Um I know him obviously well from from last season and um He's a horse to run straight in novice hurdles. Uh, it's lovely to have a horse to run in some novice hurdles, and he's um, he's a horse I'm really looking forward to as well. If I remember correctly, did did he look like he would really improve for that run? Like he just needed the experience. Yeah, like he ran a he ran a he ran a lovely race. He was just he was just handy the whole way. He tracked the eventual winner, and and basically off the bend. Um, the winner quickened away. He got a bit lonely in second. And Paul always says to his jockeys, if a, if a, if a horse is in a bumper is beaten, don't knock him about. So Lorcan didn't knock him about, pushed him out of the line, and a couple of couple of horses just come past him up the line. But he's, you know, a two-mile bumper around Hereford was was very much an introduction for him. He's He would be a horse that I would probably start over two-mile, four furlongs maybe. Um, and, and, you know, go go straight into some, some novice hurdles or a maiden hurdle and... Um, yeah, I, I just look. It, obviously, there's there's loads of bumper winners out there, but he he wasn't a horse that ever struck us like a bumper winner. Um, but I, I'd like to think he'll make into a really nice um, novice hurdler, and um, 
you know, hopefully, eventually, a, a chaser. He's certainly big enough to jump fence. He's a big, beautiful, beautiful horse, and um, oh, I'm looking forward to him as well. You're one of the nicest people in racing, but when it comes to business, we all have to eat. You're snatching up Nichols' staff. You're snatching up Paul Nichols' horses. Take it all, Darren. That's the way to do it. <laughs> in, fair, in fairness to him, yeah, uh, all joking aside from that, uh, there's there's a good few horses of mine are, are Mr. Nichols' horses that that have that have come to me that I've, I've bought privately off him because you know Chris Gordon and, and people like that have had loads of success with horses from pools um, because owners that own those horses you know they might have wanted a, a 160 horse and that horse might only be a 125 130 horse well that is still a perfectly good horse for some people and, and Paul knows that um, and you know so through the through the winter Paul and I did did a good bit of business of, of, of buying some horses that you know that that weren't quite up to what he was requiring or his clients were requiring but we'll we'll do perfectly you know we'll do perfectly good stuff for me i mean horses like uh, prince nino and see lot more business and um you know horse hugo's other horse horses like that they're all horses that have run to a, a decent level for paul um but he knows they are not going to be what his clients want um but in turn, they, they'll, they'll do just fine for a, for a trainer starting out that has a different um, level of expectation. That's a good cover. That's a real good cover. <laughs> it's snatching it all up. Uh, no, did it, I, I did it sound convincing? <laughs> it sounded very convincing. <laughs> if we put in oh like, God. if we put in real emotional music behind it, it'll like the little violins playing. It'll sound really convincing. Um, <laughs> all right, who's who's next on the list? Uh, so I'll just I'll just I'll just keep going through a few, shall I? Yeah, with, with absolutely. Um, so I'm going to talk about of, of, there's two that I bought from the Derby sale this summer. Who it's so difficult buying stores, and and I in the end I bought two because I I had an order for one, and I bought another one because I I, I thought it was unfair on the one to just be training one three year old store on his own with older horses. I I just I felt like I wouldn't be doing him a service, so. I bought a, a Fleming's Firth out of a mare called um, Black Rock Lady, who is absolutely beautiful, um, beautiful horse. He's he's not he's not enormous, but he's very compact, really smart looking horse. Um, and I, I bought a Soldier of Fortune out of a, a mare called the Blarney Rose. They're both two lovely, lovely national and three year olds, and I hope they'll be two horses for you know the next four or five seasons if I if I do things right with them. Um, I bought a horse off Mr. Sherwood uh, perhaps a month ago called Puffin Bay, who is a winner of a bumper and her uh, hurdle race at Wincanton, who had some decent form. She finished third uh, in a Ludlow uh, handicap hurdle behind a good mare of Paul's called Miranda. Um, and oh, some yeah. some really good... So, you know, she, she ran a really nice race there. She was a bit disappointed there in the back end of the season, but uh, Oliver's owners you know, we're, we're not keen to continue with her, but I spoke to, spoke to Oliver and he was really enthused by her and, um, you know, said she was a nice horse that, that might do a good turn. So I'm, I'm excited about her and a good friend of mine, Charlie Pelham has, has bought her to, to, to go to war with, with a couple of friends of his. So I'm excited about her. She's um, a, she's a blue brazzle out of a Shrokomer. That's it. And she, she's an absolute oil painting and, and, uh, Charlie and his family owned a, a lovely mare, a presenting mare called Kilmington Rose, who who they're going to breed from. And and I think the the ambition with Puffin 
um, eventually will be to breed from her. And, you know, she has a, she has a pedigree to, to breed from for sure. So, um, you know, we, she's an absolute poppet looking forward to training her. There's a, there's a greed degree gelding, a uh, four-year-old called Ilva de Soy, who finished third in a couple of Irish point points there in the spring for Harley Dunn. He, he struck me like a horse. who wasn't quite staying three miles as a four-year-old. Um, he's a, he is probably the best looking horse I have. Um, oh. and, and Ed and I loved him at the sale in May at Doncaster and we, we, we forked out a good bit of money for him, but we've, we've got some good owners for him. Um, and you know, it just struck me like a four year old running three miles. He wasn't, he's not a big robust horse. Uh, he's a, he's an elegant horse, he's a tall horse. And we just felt that perhaps he might just improve for a bit of time. And so we might just go gently with him. I don't know whether I might run him in a couple of bumpers this season and let him just develop because I, I want to try and train a horse like him as, as, as well as I can. And I don't want to be in a rush with him at all. We, um, we better get the spelling of him because he sounds like a, a really exciting one. Um, so I L space V A space D E space S O I, Ilvadasoy. Um, Beautiful. Yeah, so he's a, by the way. Thank you. He's a he's a lovely horse. Um, I bought an English point to pointer off uh, Tom and Gina Ellis called Thunder and Lightning, who again big raw four year old. He was placed in two English point to points and just struck me like he wasn't quite getting home. Um, so, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've bought him, um, and just recently bought a horse off Johnny Murter actually. And Ooh. I must say, I spent the morning with Johnny Murter the other day and that was uh, what an inspiring morning. It was, it was fantastic. I'd probably spent an hour and a half in his company and it was absolutely fabulous. The horse I bought was a horse called four of a kind. Who's a 76 rated three-year-old gelding. Who's going to go juvenile hurdling. He's, he's a lovely, lovely horse. And, um, I'm I'm excited about him Um, and the last one I'll mention is a horse called Nordic Tiger who ran in a three year old race first time out in France he finished fourth I think he would have been second but at the second last he decided to not jump the hurdle but actually try and gallop through it which was an interesting choice on his behalf Um, but he he just got tired then and, and we've bought him privately since I mean, I think the thing is with all these horses, as you, you'll have heard me talk about them then, you know, all none of them have come through winning seamlessly and on the bridle and those point-to-points because obviously when you're starting out, you, you can't afford those types of horses. You're you're trying to buy a horse and look for an angle that he might be able to improve and, you know, he might, one might get better because he has a bit of time or whatever it is, you, you know, and, and, and half of them won't improve because that's as good as they are. But you're trying to look for angles of horses that, you know, you think, okay, well, he might go and improve. He might, he might get a bit better for. Irish point to point, and the two mile hurdle might suit him better. So you're always, I'm just trying to look for angles of buying horses that, hopefully, will will go and get better. And even like four of a kind has formed with Stone Age. Admittedly, was beaten seventeen and a half lengths, but still. There's a lot to be excited about with him as he switches disciplines and, and goes juvenile hurdling. But acquiring horses from the flat to go juvenile hurdling is becoming harder and harder. Um, with the, yeah, for sure. With the rise of interest from Australia and indeed Hong Kong, like the Australians really want the smart handicappers. And those, those decent middle distance handicappers, the high class middle distance handicappers uh, from the flat, 
there are horses that would have been picked up. I said this the other day. They would have been bought by J.P. McManus. Graham Wiley would have been picking them up as well, all with aspirations for jumps. Graham would have been very much of the mindset of having horses to compete on the flat for uh, the Northumberland plate, but also to be able to give him you know, great success, obviously, in the jumps game, which was his real love. Uh, and, and J.P. has always been going for that type of horse. Um, I mean, Isterback was the GOAT until Hurricane Fly came along. Um, sacrilege for some, I know, I know, but still, uh, like a, an absolute legend. And that's just becoming much more difficult now, Harry, to be able to to get those kind of horses because even the, the French horses are getting acquired to go to Australia. They're getting acquired for Hong Kong and, and North America as well. And so now that you're in this world too, it's you'll have seen it with Paul and you're seeing it yourself going to the sales that... There's such a demand in other jurisdictions for our, our stock, for our horses, and particularly that type of ex-flat runner to go to another jurisdiction, that it's harder for, for the jumps boys to be able to get hold of them. Yeah, they're they're a valuable they're a valuable commodity now, aren't they? Those middle distance horses. And um, you know, it is it you're right, it's difficult to buy them, but um you, you, I suppose you have to try and find them from somewhere. Um and you know, for me, I'm looking I'm looking for them on a on, on, a, on a good budget and a budget I'm very grateful for but you're not spending hundreds of thousands of euros or anything like that but you know a horse like four of a kind um, I went over there to see three horses and, and and I just really really liked him I thought he was a he looked to me like a he's a, he's a beautiful looking horse he's um he's a really good moving horse that I thought would would do the job really nicely for jumping Um uh, and and you know so you, you you take a risk with a horse like that and and I'm I'm in a really lucky position where I've got the owners to support me in that, um, but yeah I mean to for me to be lucky enough to have a horse like him to 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 go jumping with is is great he's got you know he's got a soft ground action his his best run on the flat without any question was on real deep ground at Tipperary, um, so I, I hope he you know they obviously have to take to jumping don't they as we all well know. Um, but you, you hope that a horse like him could could really give me some some real fun. And just take you back to that day with Johnny, because he is a terrific character. He's a great person to be around. And having interviewed him, I know that he doesn't want to be known as Johnny Murtagh the jockey anymore. He's very much a trainer, and rightly so. He's he's a multiple Group One winning trainer. Uh, but was he giving you any advice about stepping out on your own? I think. I think the best advice he would have given is advice he didn't think that he was giving, if that makes sense. Like his enthusiasm just for a just for a Tuesday morning and no, Wednesday morning, sorry. And he how personable he was to everyone on the yard and and how if something needed doing, he was just gonna crack on and do it himself. And if we're gonna walk somewhere, we're gonna go there at a million miles an hour. And, you know, it's just he didn't. He didn't know me from Adam, but he was unfailingly polite. Couldn't have been better. And I just thought it, his enthusiasm for a, for a, a, a pretty routine Wednesday morning with me probably getting in his way was extraordinary. Um, and he, you know, he changed the morning round for me. He, he told me about the horses. You know, he told me about the gallops, about the colour, about his yard, when he built it, how he built it why he thought these stables were good and those ones were slightly better and why why these handicaps are hard to win and things like that and it was just it he he didn't he didn't have to be as helpful or as generous as he was but he was and and it really really stuck with me how good he was about it he's a real gentleman and 
Orla is an absolute legend as well. And I've worked with Caroline and she's lovely. Like they're they're just incredibly kind people. Um and I remember working at Goodwood with him and he'd just come back from Galway the night before. And he was like he trained a winner there. And he was like, the, the owners were going absent. They were going buck ape. Just like I trained a Cheltenham winner for him or something. It's like, it's only an old handicap, lads. But sure, it's on RTE. The boys are going nuts. You know, he's he's just very down to earth. He's he's really cool. But you're 100% right about him. The speed that man walks at. I couldn't keep up with him. Yeah, he, he he's. I just like the way, if you're going to go somewhere, we're going to go somewhere. And <laughs> I thought, I just, you know, I... I he, he, as I say, he didn't have to be as good to me as he was, and he, he, he was, he was excellent in fairness. That feeling of being at the sales and signing the seventy-five thousand euro for the the daughter of Blackrock Lady, the Femsworth, when the hammer comes down and she's yours, what's that feeling like? Or he's yours, I should say. He's a gelding. It's pretty exhilarating, yeah. Um, you know, b- before I've obviously stood next to Paul while him and Tom have bid for lots and lots of expensive horses over the years, and that is great because you think, God, oh, get to watch him be trained and all those things, but. When you're in the hot seat, as it were, that is, is a different pressure, and it, you know, a bit like what we said earlier on. You want to be part of those experiences for yourself. Um, so, you know, Ed, Ed is a very calming influence. He's very measured. He's got a, a, a set of rules he sticks to at the sales rigidly, and I and I really admire him for that. Um, and he he works very hard at, at the sales and. Um, but you know, when the moment comes and of course you're always, when they when they sort of go last time, it always feels like when it's your bid, it almost feels like it could be half an hour before this hammer goes down and you're willing it to go down. Um, when we bought Ilval de Soy at Doncaster in May, um, we, we thought we had him. Um, and then Anthony Bromley started bidding, I oh, believe. No. And, Oh, and it was oh goodness! <laughs> so we we just said right, let's let's just go one more because he was at the top of Ed and mine's list, and we 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 really we loved him and and, and we we really wanted him. So we we went one more, and we were just almost sort of clinging on, um, and and that is a that is very very exciting. And then of course the moment that hammer is down, you go right now we are responsible for this horse, and we have to do our best to do a really good job of him. It's a pretty good sign, though, that the underbidder is ha- is Anthony Bromley, given his overall record. That's a pretty good indication of um, of hope for the future. Um, I'm really excited for you, and it's it's super exciting when you start listing off these names. There's something about unraced talent uh, when you're looking at the pedigree of a horse, or you're seeing horses who it does look as though that point to pointer could have won. Um, who, who fell that you talked about earlier on? Uh, just looking back through her form. And there is a huge amount of excitement about seeing an Irish point-to-pointer heading over to you, uh, a horse that you've acquired from France, and the horses that you've got at the sales. It's just, it's a very exciting time. And I'm incredibly excited for you, and I can hear it in your voice how much you're looking forward to this. I'm delighted for you that you're going to have your own purpose-built yard on your own terms. Uh, I'm, I'm delighted for you that you have a yard in the meantime to be able to look forward to as well. And also that we're going to be able to look forward to Harry Durham having his first runner around Christmas time because Christmas time is an incredible time of the year. It's obviously special in its own right, but the racing, 
the racing at Christmas time, Harry. There's just something about that. And if you can bang in a winner for the final Furlong Podcast Mossy, I mean, for yourself, Harry, uh, for your <laughs> debut, that would just be terrific. But it's... I'll be honest, Emmett, I've not talked about the horses for a while because just before I came back, uh, I've come back to work these last two days and stuff. I had a, I had a holiday with my girlfriend, Millie, the last the last week or so because I just felt that we'd, we'd been working all summer and it was a nice time to take one before the horses came back in. Um, and it was, it, it's actually really lovely to talk about the horses. And I've actually, I'm sat here now, I'm absolutely revved. I want to go and get the horses now because, you, you know, you, you acquire all these horses through the summer, but there's lots of hard work with the yard and, you know, there's lots of, you know, stress of all of those things. But now, you know, on the on the eve of, of starting to work with the horses again, I must be honest, in talking to you now, I want to go and I want to go and take one of them up the gallop or something stupid. I'm so excited about it. Because, you know, you what you what you're doing it for is the the love of those horses and the excitement of seeing what they might become. Um and and having talked about it now with you for an hour, it's just been an absolute joy to talk about racing again properly. Is I've, I've got to say it's got me it's got me properly revved. <laughs> it's been a joy talking to you. What is your overall ambition for the season? Well, I think the golden. I mean, the the golden thing that any rookie trainer starts with is you. You just you want that. You want that first, don't you? Um, you 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 know you want that first win. Uh, and I and I, I I go to bed most evenings thinking about. If I'm when I'm lucky enough, if I'm lucky enough to have that day, I'm, you know, and I, and I think that I, I think most trainers that start out would, I'd imagine they'll say the same, wouldn't they? You know that you you want that win to just to get things rolling, to get you know to to hopefully repay some of the people that put faith in you. Um, so I'm going to say that my my big ambition is for I I, I want to train that desperately want to train that, that winner. Um, and I suppose the other ambition is that I hope that my my string can can you know retain real good health. You know, every yard hopes for it at the start of a season, don't they? And I, if I can if I can keep my horses really really healthy, then I, I hope I've got I've got a chance. Then Harry Durham, it has been a pleasure talking jumps racing with you. It's been a pleasure talking to you about not only the exciting talent that you've got in your hands uh, that I know you're going to mold into success but your own exciting career. Because while your horses are young and exciting coming through, you're young and exciting. And I think uh, racing needs you. It needs fresh blood. It needs uh, that injection of enthusiasm. And we've seen young trainers have success already, and I've no doubt that you're going to be the latest name to add to the successful list. I have no doubt that you're going to have a long and very successful career as a trainer and I can't wait to see it all unfold and I really can't wait to be back in your debut runner and see it absolutely tear up that field and bolting yeah. up and down the lines out stock uh, Harry the very best of luck to you and your entire team uh, we're looking forward to it and we're looking forward to you banging in your first winner uh, thank you very very much for having me on all, all the best to all the, the, the listeners and hopefully I'll, I'll see you on the track before too long and we'll talk to you again very, very soon on the Final Furlong Podcast as well. More Jumps chat coming your way. Of course, there's more flat chat, uh, which some of you will be like, <laughs> but stick with us. We've got Baid potentially in the arc and so much more as well. Uh, and lots more stable tours coming your way. 
But from the GOAT, Harry Durham, and from myself, Emmett Kennedy, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by our official betting partner, Kaluki Sportsbook. With betting on all sports, immediate interaction with experienced traders, instant withdrawals, and the best odds guaranteed on UK and Irish horse racing. Kaluki have prominent betting pitches at race courses across the UK. Join us now at kalukisportsbook.co.uk. And the final furlong is brought to you by our official syndicate partner, All About Sunday, the ultimate racehorse ownership experience. Download the app to get involved with world-class trainers, including Henry DeBromhead, Gordon Elliott, and Donald McKay. Join us at allaboutsunday.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.